I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And hey, we don't have to watch Touching Evil anymore. <laughs> until until next week when we start having to watch uh Touching Evil all over again, but this time starring Jeffrey Donovan. Whom we love so. We do really like Jeffrey Donovan. Yeah. Not so did we really like Robson Green, so. We do. So let's see if this, uh, and I mean, honestly, this has not uh, hurt my admiration for Robson Green and what he does. But I mean, it really does. Like, is there effect of this other than just really making you miss Tony Hill? Like, <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that all this show does? Yes, it, I re, I watched the last third of it and went, you know, Tony Hill would have never done that. No. Tony Hill's not an so, idiot. Yes, well, now, we all know this is the writing. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the it, it is the writing, and this character is very different yeah. from Tony Hill, and he's not likable, and there is nothing, nothing about these last three hours yeah that makes you go oh geez i must have misunderstood no like he's just not a he's he's just not a likable person and he never becomes one ever becomes one yeah does yeah he's just never ever becomes a likable person and uh yeah, if if there's one thing that we can continue with this show, uh, saying about the show is, wow, this show really had it in for Mark. Yeah, this show really had it in for Mark. And as I said, and the same thing with Susan. Yeah. Like, you just sort of sit there and go, these writers, whatever they were doing. Now, I the only thing I can say, Please. Because we're talking about this, like I'm just going, oh my lord, the thing that is key is decent writing and decent character development. That's all we ask from shows. Yeah, we're not we're not complicated not people. Either. Yeah, this has nothing. And no. but I will say that trying to set up more um, structured, um, single episodes. Yeah, with a little overhang is more successful if than I their movies. Them, yeah. Than the doing it in an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and whatever. Hour and 40 minutes, whatever a normal episode was. Yeah, yeah no, it is. Yeah. It absolutely um, is. Yeah. There's no question that, in fact, this feels less like a movie, although you kept calling it a three hour, three hour movie. Yes. It's less than it is three separate episodes. And maybe... And the thing is, is that we have said that already. Yeah, the you're right. Before, how many times did I say, this is like two episodes, I wish they had split this yeah. into two episodes? Oh, no, Even it would have been structured way better. It would have structured itself with just a little bit of overhang, yeah. right? Oh, totally. You know, to continuity. Okay, so Mark dies in the first episode, and then in the or wherever in this this thing at the end of the first episode, Mark is dead, and the, no, the second episode, Mark is dead. You know, okay, then put the funeral in the next one. But who the hell didn't know that that's you know as they say? And at what time did you know? I know immediately that, that, or sooner. 
Yeah, immediately or before that. Yeah. That the therapist was. Now, we have to admit that we've seen this before. We have, so, but even the first time you watch it. Even the first time. It was perfectly clear he didn't belong anywhere, so he had to be this guy. Exactly. Like, why he is this character to. there? I know how this show is structured, and there's never a grief counselor hanging around. Never been a grief counselor hanging around. Yeah, like, that's just not the way this show is structured, guys. Why is it so... It is. And we get to the end. I'm yeah. not gay. Really? Because all of your actions suggest otherwise. You're literally killing women to uh, to make their to husbands their pay husbands. attention to you. <laughs> you are not difficult to profile. Spoiler alert, so why did it take them so friggin' long? Oh, no. Well, to be fair, like, the first time... Um, there was a guy in jail who had done a false yeah. confession. And this guy yeah. only goes on a rampage when that guy gets out of jail. So he decompensates. It's not like he was going around killing lots of women while that guy was in jail. He held it in. But the minute that guy got out of jail, he goes on a rampage. And that's, you know, the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, You're he right. was. he did keep it locked up after the guy went to jail and he almost got caught. Like, he was able to hold it together. But once that guy's out and they realize, and he realizes people are inevitably going to find him, he can't help himself to, you know, the stress makes him go back to killing. Yeah, that's just how it is. Like, that's 100% just completely normal, I think. Like, as a reading of this kind of killer. I think, like, you can buy that. At least I had no trouble buying that aspect of it. Why not? Yeah, why not, right? Why not? I'm going to have to, whether I want to Whether you or want not. to or not. Yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, you it's know, frustrating. It is a frustrating all, episode, though. The the All three of them. You know, I mean, yeah. the whole... The last one, do you think just once Susan and Tony could... I mean... Susan and Dave could just say, this is our fault and we're feeling guilty. They just refuse to. They absolutely. Like Mark literally gets killed because, because Dave is not willing to listen to him talk about anything. No, it's not just that. It's because Susan, Susan and Dave are fighting. Yeah. Fighting, fighting over who this, that. And Mark keeps saying, we're supposed to be a team. Yep. Will you stop it? And then finally he says, I can't stand this anymore. Exactly. Like and they won't leaves. listen to him and they won't, you know, he can't talk to them. And he just goes and he stumbles on the killer who they would have caught anyway, pretty quickly, you know, because he was well, something they that already all, happened. They, yeah. Given that how profoundly all of the victims have him in common. <laughs> like the first woman who they quickly figure out was actually thrown out of a window, right? Uh, uh, right? Like was actually one of his clients, you know? So it's the, like, it's not like there wasn't just, he had a connection before. Because if you're a grief counselor, oh, well, you had a connection with all of these men after their wives were killed. Yeah, but he also had connection with the murdered woman before she got killed. Meaning yeah. he's the only one who has a connection with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did, I, I think there's an interesting statement about this show's worldview uh, locked away in this episode. 
when they're talking to uh, one of the guys, right? Uh, well, they're, they're trying to figure out who hates all of these men, who, what enemy do they have in common? And they're like, and one of the men is like, you know, everybody has lots of enemies. And I'm like, really? Does everyone have a lot of people in your life who you think might murder your wife to get at you? Because I think that's a pretty rare thing. Don't you? Like, doesn't that seem like an unbelievably rare thing? And anyone who would think that a lot of people have that level of enemies? Like, what kind of a life are you leading? I have no idea. If you think that this is like a normal thing to say or think. Yes, that... Well, you know, this is, and it's just misogyny, and for once it's not. I know, right? It's it is nothing. nice that for once it's not misogyny, even though it is women getting killed. A yeah. Excellent way to do that show, to uh, have an episode not be about misogyny and still involve a lot of dead women getting their hearts cut out. <laughs> I enjoyed the sleight of hand you pulled off. Idea. Oh. We're going to spend this episode going... What the hell was in what's his face's mind? Yeah. When he created this idea, was this his idea? Because it keeps going devised by. Every every I episode know. has devised by. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, so they didn't like what he was going to do and what he was going to maybe I don't know. Again, Is I it... think he just, you know, got busy with other stuff and wrote them like six outlines. Or like six three-line ah. premises of what the killer's deal was, and then just let them go for it. That's my theory. Okay, well, this was the very dark writing room. <laughs> Maybe. Come on. No, it I absolutely mean, was. You're right. You know, it had to. It had to be a really. Now, I if will there was a writer's room at all, we don't know that there was a writer's room. This is British TV. It's entirely possible. Just someone, you know, got those three lines and went off and uh, wrote a script, you know? Like, that's... British the TV is very different. Yeah. It's like, when you only do three episodes a year, you don't... Uh, you often don't put together a big room of people brainstorming. Like, when no. Neil Gaiman writes an episode of Doctor Who, he just goes off and writes an episode of Doctor Who, you know? <laughs> Like, he doesn't get in the room with the Doctor Who, right? Well, yeah, like, we all weren't very fond of Neil Gaiman's episode <laughs> of Doctor Who, but, you know, that's just, that that's another story, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, so often there is this, well, I mean, it comes back to the fact that there is a culture of, how do I put this, um, understanding writer's authorship, right, in British television. Right. And it's like when you start an episode and you can say, well, that's just a credit. It's not just a credit, though, because when you start an episode, it'll say so and so episode and it'll just say by the writer. Right. Yeah. Not written by because they acknowledge that the person who wrote this episode is fundamentally the creator of this episode. Right. And that's that's a significant difference from how Americans treat it. There is no creator credit in American television. Like, there's a show created by credit, but each individual episode is always seen as a collaborative thing because of how writers' rooms work in America. But that's just not true, like, of Britain. You know, Dennis Potter, he would go off and he would write six episodes of a TV show, and then that TV show would get made. And it was a show by Dennis Potter. 
you know, and that's that's kind of how it always works in British television. And so that's why we're so, if you're wondering why we're focused on this, that's why we're so baffled by the devised by credit, because even for British television, it's very weird because like we were saying, uh, Jimmy McGovern didn't write all of Cracker, not even close, but he didn't have this weird possessive credit. All that would have is Cracker, the show created by Jimmy McGovern, and then you would see who wrote the specific episode. And so, Jim, uh, right, Jimmy McGovern is getting credit for the existence of the show and the characters, but he's not getting any credit for the episode. But this devised by credit makes it seem <coughs> like De uh, like uh, Paul Abbott? Paul Abbott. Paul Abbott has a hand in and has more credit than we might be expecting someone to have in the British way of making television. So yeah, it's, well, you it's odd. That he might have written, no, he would have written an abstract. Yeah, an abstract. Or like, I, I might not be wrong when I say just like three lines explaining what the killer's deal is. You know, like, here's the killer's weird fetish. Go write an episode based on it. You know, and, Here, here's a woman who has cancer and uh, is pregnant and has cancer. So she's murdering all of the people who disappointed her in her life before her baby's born. You know, like, and and then he would just write that down on a piece of paper and then they'd go and make the show. And I guess, is that devised by? Is that thing we've just, that weird thing we've just decided on? Is that devising a show? I honestly, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, that episode. All right. So uh, let's just quickly run through. Um, uh, <laughs> Dave is on, all. Dave was on leave because of the evident, evidence, um, events of the previous season. Uh, but he finds out that this guy is uh, is getting sprung from jail uh, because there was at li literally no evidence that he committed the crime, except for the uh, testimony of himself, right? In this confession, yeah, yeah, in his confession, he had a he had a false confession that Dave extracted from him using you know brutal taunting methods because of course he did. Dave is a bad cop, right? That is. Well, compared one thing to consistent. the other cops, he's... Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, and that's the weird part. It's like, um, Dave is a bad cop who can admit he's wrong, whereas the other bad cops are bad cops who, you know, stick to their guns, who cannot admit they're wrong. And that's why when this guy gets let out, the other bad cop goes and beats him up and, you know, demand and still blames him for the crime and thinks he just got out on a technicality. Because cops are incapable of admitting they're wrong. Like, it's this weird... This well-known thing, and this is why, by the way, never talk to a cop. Ever, ever, ever. Just don't talk to cops. Uh, because if a cop decides you did it, it is impossible to change that cop's mind. Like, it, it can't be done. The, uh, like, the, the Central Park Five, right, are as exonerated as someone can be, right? As anyone, they're as exonerated as anyone has ever been, they are more, they are more exonerated than Dreyfus. Okay. That is how yeah. exonerated the Central Park Five is. But if you ask the woman who railroaded, the DA who railroaded them, who, by the way, Olivia Benson is based on, uh, she still thinks they did it. Yeah. Because, and I can't stress this enough, cops are incapable of changing their mind. Like, because. DAs as well, obviously. Yeah, DA is just a kind of cop. Uh, yeah. You know, cop is a is a broad term. 
And I think part of it's not their fault. I suspect that like taking on the moral responsibility of jailing and even killing people forces you to give yourself a benefit of the doubt that no human deserves. Like it makes you assume that you must be right and justified. And psychologically, when you're proven wrong, when someone shows you evidence that you're wrong, rather than accept that you could be wrong about things, you just double down over and over and over again. Yes, there are very few Lord Peter Whimsies around. <laughs> wow, that is a weird reference. Well, no, because, of course, he was the detective, yeah. right? Famous detective. Um, yes, but his problem was that every time he did find someone who was guilty, and this was a time when there was still the death penalty, yeah. he would have a, he would literally have a breakdown afterwards. Yeah. He would solve a crime, and if it was a death penalty crime, he and would he have couldn't a couldn't deal emotionally with being responsible for someone's death, because if you're fine with death, you know, it's like if you're fine with death, why are you a cop? You're supposed to be against it. Yeah, and he's, and, and that's the problem is, is that he was, um, it, it's a function of the First World War. Yeah. Right? Because he was in the First World War. And, uh, okay. Yeah, and so it was you know, and uh, yeah, it, it is an interesting because the the human mind, the human psyche cannot take so much guilt. Yeah. And if there's anything this show shows, it's that Dave and Susan, who are the two key the characters, two lead characters, yeah, the lead characters, is that they have seen so much death and so much misery, they can't cope they cannot cope with a vacation no they cannot cope with doing nothing they have to always be on the hunt yeah because that's the only thing that's going to justify to themselves some of the stuff that has been done dave does admit he was wrong but when they start pushing again you know there's susan you know insisting it's got to be sort of that this guy these guy whoever's doing this hates women and yeah you know, Dave is going, no, that's not what it is. It can't be. Like any profiler could have told him that the only one uh, they should be looking at is the guy who keeps showing up and spending time with the victim's husbands. Like, come on, guys. It's not just that it's Andy Circus playing this part, you know? <laughs> Three years before his breakout role as Gollum. Uh no, like, it's obvious that this guy is at the core of this ex uh, experience, right? So maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a reason he's always there. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it's, and then he goes and kills Mark. Yeah, because he does, because Mark figures out who he is and then, like, excuses himself to go to the bathroom instead of just leaving? Well, uh, nobody's. Mark, well, Mark is getting out, right? Yeah, exactly. He wants to quit Mark. because, you know, ugh. because he's getting married. Get it? Because this has to be extra bleak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You know how Mark and, has and never Dave had... Goes... No, they're just Mark has never, uh, what do you call it, mentioned Got having a, a girlfriend before? Well, suddenly he's no. engaged because <laughs> they want everyone to be more and more miserable. But sorry, you were saying? Oh, no. And then Dave has the gall to sleep with his almost widow. Yeah. 
I just went on. I mean, again, psychologically it makes sense because they're both so miserable, but Jesus, Dave, what are you doing? Like, these are both people making bad decisions because they're so miserable, you know? Well, let me put it this way. At least there wasn't a problem with consent. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) Nobody can say this show. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know? That is definitely but, not an issue here. No, but but they don't even know how to write. Yeah. If you could just somehow or another write this better because his last love interest ends up being shot. Yeah. You know? And then this one is not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I will say the uh I here I'm gonna say something nice about it. The episode Why Me, which is the final episodes. Yes. Right. Um it is a fairly logical path they follow, right? It's like, the best written one of the it three. It is the best written one of the three. Like, it is pretty clear why this person is doing it, and they're able to follow it. And, okay, I don't think much of them, like, going to the, the Hannibal Lecter of burning people alive. <laughs> For, like, the, the <laughs> mythology of fire and what fire means as a murder victim. And it's like, when fundamentally, like, this woman has a very clear motive, you know? <laughs> and they are able to get there pretty quickly just by going with people with a history of arson and talk about the difference between uh, child arsonists and adult arsonists, right? Oh, no, I it, it's yeah. like the, that profiling part of it, because that's what it was, but... You know, well, Susan got a trip to France out of exactly. it. Exactly. You know. She got a free trip to France. It's fine. It's uh, fine. But the, the thing that puzzled me the most was it's like the, them being trying to figure out how could they have gotten these people to stay still uh, while they were being burned. And it, like, takes them so long to get to the possibility that, I don't know, maybe they were drugged? Yeah, I don't know why. Because you know, no, they, they spend this weird amount of time saying... How is how is the killer convincing them and to let themselves be burned? I'm like, why do you think they were awake? Like, you have no reason to why think they think were awake. They... they were being burned. Oh, I know why they think because there's no, they're not, they don't fight. Yeah, there's no. But you know what? Do you know the other? Do, do you know the other way that that could have happened? You could have choked somebody out. Doesn't leave any marks on the body, and then you burn them while they're unconscious. Yeah, I... like. So, I mean, I don't know why it took them so long to to get to the rohypnol thing. Yeah. Uh, the overdosing on rohypnol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why it took them so long to postulate that it might be a female and not a male. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, I grant you there aren't too many female arsonists. No, but it is I, a thing like, that it happens. Was, it, um... Oh, I don't know. And then, oh, this poor woman. Yeah, this poor <laughs> woman. This poor woman who, as she said, has only had these negative things in her life. And she finally successfully gets pregnant. And then, boom, leukemia. And so she yes. never got treated for it because any treatment you'd get for leukemia could endanger a pregnancy, which is, that is 100% true. Like oh, the, yes. I know this this woman... That I mean, I understand it why it really is a bad situation she found herself in. Yes, when she why she went around the bend, and then this this guy, yeah, that who's the father of the child, yeah, you know, I mean, I 
so you leave your wife when you find out she's pregnant. Yes. You don't, you know, you don't leave her before that. Well, it was too much. I couldn't, I couldn't fix what was wrong. Yeah. And I'm just going, there's nobody to like this. <laughs> you feel well, sorry I mean, weirdly, for her. The one person you can really like is the guy who burned down the building as revenge for, you know, being yes. brutally okay. raped over and over again. Yeah, yes. I'm on his side. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they briefly think he's the killer. He's like, no, he had a perfectly good reason for doing what he did. Yes, and it, uh, yes, and that was a minimal part of the Yeah, it's not episode. a big part of the episode. He's just one of the red herrings. But he's a solid yes. red herring. Uh, yes, that that one for sure. Oh, absolutely. But I thought they really they really stuck it to this one. They stuck it to Mark. Yeah. They stuck it to this woman. You know, and then Dave's the ending of this. When Dave is so decides to set himself on fire, basically, like why? Like he does so many throughout this. We're talking about the whole series as a whole. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. makes so many poor decisions. Yeah. He somehow or another thinks he can talk everybody out of everything. And he never succeeds. Why? I want to point out that it's like he never successfully talks anybody out of anything. What? Why does he think he can do this? Why does he keep doing it? Yeah. Why does he keep trying to do it when it never works? I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It never works. Like, no, he's just not, not good at talking people out of things. He's not Tony Hill, you know, who actually has some success in that area. Well, yes. Well, because you can hear, here's the thing. Tony's life is so messed up and he has so much empathy. Yeah. And they, that that it can be felt by the people he's trying to talk out of doing things. Or at least slow them down enough that he can stop them before yes. they do whatever negative thing they're going to do. Yeah. Whereas Dave has no empathy. No. The no only he has empathy no empathy for these people. He had was for his friend that he met at the psych hospital. Who we never who saw been, again after that first season. Yeah. Who disappeared. And at least he had, you know, he grounded Dave to some extent. Well, no, and I think I, you can if, tie his disappearance to, like, uh, Abbott leaving the sh like, not doing the show anymore, because I don't think any of the other writers understood what that character was supposed to be for, and so they le yeah. were left in the situation where it's like, well, now there's nobody humanizing Dave. You know? Yeah. Dave has nobody that he's nice to, not his wife, not his kids, not his you know, and by the way, uh, like the guy who shot his girlfriend and, you know, whose daughter got murdered, he's in jail. So I, I they they keep talking. They bring back the, the idea that my work is too dangerous and my family, I can't know where my family is. And again, you have not sold to me the idea that your work is dangerous and your family can't know where you are. This like you, ha your family has not been targeted before. This was a once in a blue moon situation where a guy you know, specifically blamed you for his daughter getting murdered. This is not a repeatable problem. I but, fully agree. It's not like they're it's not like they're going after criminal organizations. Exactly. They're just looking you know, for serial killers. And largely yeah. the serial killers don't know who the people chasing them are. You know? 
Yeah, I know. It's just not how it works. There is a problem with this whole... If Abbott had stayed for whatever reason, as you say, he probably got busy doing other things, but... Or wasn't invested or was having too much trouble with the producers of the CBC. Or whoever the show. Or, hey, maybe he was so disgusted with himself for creating this world that he just (laughs) didn't want to be in it anymore. (laughs) It's not impossible. No, and but there maybe have been creative differences. Yeah, there could have been. And he just walked out. Well, you say that, I mean, but it's that, like, I mean, yeah, but it would have to have been well into the first season because it's not like tonally there's anything different about season two than season one. The only difference is uh, that the, you know, David having, worse. well, yeah, David just gets worse the longer the show goes on. Like, that's the only difference between season one and two and three. It's just David gets less and less sympathetic the longer the show goes on. You know, if these were completely distinct stories, it might not matter as much. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, in terms of the story functioning, because we look at, because a hallmark of so much of British TV is consistency and characterization. Of course. And good writing. Yeah. Or I, even ITV, right? They, yeah. But I mean, I mean, these shorter seasons written by fewer people tend to be more consistent. Yeah. And you can see it with Doctor Who, like Doctor Who changes. Yeah. Whenever. Every now and then you get a really bad showrunner. We're looking at you, Chris Chibnall. Uh, <laughs> but there is a consistent level of quality, right? But he's yeah. consistent. Well, he was consistently awful. But that's... Yes, but consistent. Yeah. Right? I mean, no, that's may true. Not even in the bad shows, you do get a lot of consistency. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Whereas, you see, and... I think part of the problem, and this is the thing that's going to, I'm going to be our big takeaway from these two episodes, and I think the show as a whole is, I'm coming away from this, and it's like, uh, I keep kept waiting the whole show for them to like figure out what was going on with Dave and they never did. No, no, no. I, that's the whole, remember I said, and it's the one that just went up. Yeah. Um, on last Thursday. And mm-hmm. it was that, that I thought maybe I was starting to get a handle on Dave. And then yeah. the next episode, it was just gone. Yeah. Completely gone. Yeah. Whatever handle I thought I was beginning to to glimmer at something, yep. <laughs> and whoop, gone. Okay, um, this is a severely like I do not understand. These are psychologically damaged, massively damaged people. Yep. I do not want to know why they are considered the elite. Like. All of them. Mark was the sanest of the bunch. Oh, absolutely. You know, he had a handle on things, which is, I guess, why he had to go. <laughs> um, you know, and his reactions to the people that he was supposed to be working with. You know, I mean, he didn't even like Jonathan, what Jonathan was doing, right? Mm-hmm. At, in the beginning, you know. And then there's this new guy that they introduce after Mark is dead who says, okay, why do you hate me? Well, we don't hate you. Yes, you do. Absolutely. And the answer is because, like, they need someone to, you know, take all of their crap out on. Mm -hmm. And they used to have Mark for that. 
And well, spoiler yeah, alert, you're the replacement mark. And it's not they're angry at you, but A, they need someone to take the, all of their crap out on like they did with Mark. But now they also have to take out all of their guilt for what they did to Mark out on somebody. Yeah, so it's going to be worse and, for you than it was for Mark. And Mark yeah. got killed based on these guys' but, inability to just get over their nonsense and do the job. Well, and to and, and that whole scene with Dave and the psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, my God. Give me a break. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, I don't, do not know who thinks that that writing makes any sense. You know, I mean, it just, well, other than it shows Dave up as a profoundly oh no as profoundly unwilling to look at himself yeah and realize what he's done i mean he's still so focused on being shot mm -hmm. i mean we have and that's what you're seeing i mean we have that scene with him reliving his out-of-body experience yep just before he thinks he's going to get burned and die yep <laughs> I know. Well, and I mean, that's what bothered me about the episode is, right? Well, I mean, a lot of stuff bothered me. I think it's clear. But it's like, here's what the show never managed to make clear. What value is Dave bringing to the investigation that necessitates everyone having to put up with all of his crap? I don't know. What value is this man demonstrating? What what special skill does he bring to the table? Because, for example, like Tony Hill, you got to put up with a lot of his guesswork and his flailing and his eccentricities. But he brings insight into these people's minds and he makes connections nobody else could conceivably make, right? Dave doesn't have a history of doing that. Not only that you, well, but I think, I think they were trying to do that with Dave, because if you see what the blurb yeah. about, about the show is, the blurb is that he's a cop because he's been shot, has a special insight into the criminal mind or whatever. I don't know that he does. No, but I don't think he does. He just has this weird, but every now and then he shows, like in, in these episodes, he, he, he knows it's not about women. Yeah. He knows. Yeah. Now, we have no idea, and he doesn't really explain it well, sort yeah. of explains it, why he thinks that, but he doesn't do it in a per persuasive way. Well, no, but I, the all. thing is, if you just have the character say the thing that is at the core Tony. of this case, that's not good writing. You have to have some justification, and a Tony Hill would always make it clear how he got there. And yes. that just doesn't happen here. You know? Because, no, and if Dave could have, if Dave got there, he should have gotten to who was doing it faster. And Tony exactly. Hill faster. Tony Hill sometimes knows who it is, can't prove it, but yeah. knows who it is. Oh, God, we love you, Tony. Well, no, yeah. and it's fa fascinating when you watch this episode, right? these episodes, because every now and then you write, he will make that kind of a leap, but the show can't communicate how or why he's making these leaps so it's not satisfying for the audience to watch. No, and if they had just kept what was his name? Who? The guy who 
you know, the guy who, who had ESP connected with all the victims. Oh, yes. Well, no, I mean, C Cyril? Cyril, that's it. Yeah. If they had just kept Cyril. Yeah. And, like, gone this weird way with the show that they were very interested in doing during that first season and all gets completely abandoned after yeah, the first season. Because it's really too bad because what he did do Right, was force Tony, I mean, force Dave yeah. to see things a different way. Yes. It wasn't that, and so you could always buy the insights. That's what's missing here yeah. is why does Dave see things differently than Susan mm -hmm. and differently than, than, than Mark? Mark or the boss. Well, Mark, and the boss. And yeah. if they had just kept Cyril, Cyril would have been better explained that. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I would have explained kind of, okay, well, yeah, I know Cyril sounds crazy and he doesn't really know exactly. He doesn't have clear visions, but he seems to be able to empathize and somehow or another, he, it's made me think differently. And he wouldn't have to say that because we saw that with, with Cyril during yeah. this. He, he didn't, and this is how they knew the boys were alive, for example, mm -hmm. because Cyril was there. And, Cyril is the one that gets this extraordinary insight because of his illness. Not yeah. to, not, not, not Tony, Dave. Not Dave. Oh my God. Now you got me doing it. Yeah. I'm sorry. It not Dave and Dave. And yet it's, it's blurbed is that Dave is the one that gets the special insights, but it's not. And it's Cyril. And if they had just kept Cyril and yeah. then slowly have Susan, and the big boss or Mark come around and Mark was coming around yeah. to Cyril yeah, by the absolutely. end of the first season, you know, that, okay, yeah, it's weird, but okay. I'm, I'm I willing see the to value in this. Yeah. I can see the value in this because it forces them to think differently. Mm -hmm. And as I said, and I was coming to beginning to understand all of that. And then it just went womp yeah. and it was gone. And, and so you then have this, Blah, nothing to hinge. You have Dave has not shown any empathy. He doesn't get these visions. No, he just gets visions of himself dying and, um, you know, seeing himself dying. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the extent of his insight. That's not insight. Mm -hmm. That is experience of it's and just PTSD. Experience. We're just watching PTSD. We're just watching PTSD and that PTSD. Yes, they did do a whole screaming at Mark about PTSD being real yeah. with the war, war thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but it seems like when you're going to do that to Mark, maybe you noticed that about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cattle calling the pot black. That is Dave's brand though. <laughs> that is very much his yeah. move. And and Susan too. Yeah, that's true. She's, second, she's secondary, but I mean, it really bothered me that she's totally unfocused most of the time. Yeah. Um, and you don't exactly know, like, there's inconsistencies. If they had just been little episodes, I think sometimes, you know, you just there's no consistency across the board. It they are all massively unhappy people. Yeah. They only 
know how to function with their work. She, for God's sake, has sex with a serial killer and then decides that the serial killer isn't going to kill her. Yeah. Because she, too, like Dave, thinks she can talk him out of it. Yep. You guys, this is supposed to be your job. I will say it one more time. They are supposed to be the elite squad. We don't see that behavior. No, I see nothing that tells me they're elite. Yeah. And why they're bosses. In a lot of cases... Uh, in a lot of cases, that they know what they're doing at all. Well, all I can say is that why their boss hasn't fired them all, except <laughs> for Mark. Yeah, except for Mark. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't, yeah, that I don't get where, as you say, when Cyril was there as a justification for Dave seeing stuff from a completely different point of view, his specialness to one extent or another makes sense. But when he, he, with him gone, I don't know what, I honestly don't know what Dave is bringing to the table. No, I'm watching him and I'm just not seeing anything special about his processes. You know, know, she's Susan depends more on the regular stuff, but, and then all of a sudden Dave just has these insights and we don't have any clue really. Maybe we're being too hard on it. But, well, no, but they're not that, they're not having him communicate as a character. No. Like again, we're we're having to fill in where this stuff is coming from. We're just watching him, you know, have these ideas, but like we're not seeing what it's based on and what experiences he's drawing from because he is a completely closed off character. And he is. He's completely closed off as a character. And and the only reason, you know, I mean, having sent his children away. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and it's probably in the long run better for the children. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, be, but, uh, you know, he's just showing up. He just, as she says, you know, yeah. can you imagine if these children need to see daddy all the, at times and he's never there yeah. and there's no consistency to his feelings? Like, I don't think he has deep feelings for anything or anybody. It doesn't seem but that Dave, way now. No. He's he's completely self-involved mm-hmm. so that everything, and his wife is right, everything to him is just something he can use to function. Yeah. And maybe he's falling apart. It might be true that he is falling apart because his, he can no longer contact his children. But that's because his children served, as well as Cyril, his children served as a as somehow or another a connection to... What well, emotional yeah. reality? Well, a thing he needed to, well, also to do emotional labor for, for him to dump stuff out onto. Yeah. Whether they recognized it or not. Right? These yeah. kids, kids were, he have... used, of course they wouldn't recognize what he was doing, but the kids were there, right? To, you know, uh, to be a vision of, you know, something pure in the world every time he thought the world was too bleak. And that's it. You know, it's a very, it's it's not, well, no, but I mean, it doesn't give them any agency as people. His children were ideas to him. Yes. And what's the, and the problem, of course, with that is that they were going to grow up. Yeah. And then what was he going to do? Exactly. So they're probably, they're probably all of them are much better off. Well, they are better off without him. They just didn't justify. Honestly. I'd have been happier if instead of Dave getting to do this uh, 
what do you call it? This, you know, martyr act that didn't really make any narrative sense to just have the family leave. Yeah, they should have just moved to New Zealand. Or something, just to get away from Dave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dave is always bringing toxicity into their lives, and it's not good for the kids. No, I know. I would have respected the characters in the show a lot more if that had been. But this idea that the idea that they contrived a way to have the children leave in a way that makes Dave look like he's making a noble sacrifice? Come on! Yeah, no. That's ridiculous. And I don't mind saying. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess uh, if if we have some final thoughts to make on the show, <laughs> it's that Dave Cregan is an infuriating character who yes. uh, who does not deserve sympathy. No. Is that too mean? Well, not not for me. Okay, good. Okay, it's not too mean. Yeah. Um, he really is I, infuriating. Like, he just is. Yeah. It bothers me a lot how infuriating this character is, because it's like, the show never calls him out on it. Not really. No. Like, you, you have, and the, the weird part is, the show, it's like it pretends to call him out on it. Because you have people calling him, you know, awful and talking and, you know, yelling at him for the way he works. But at the same time, like the fundamental problems of how manipulative he is and how self-centered he is and how narcissistic he is. He never gets called off like he gets called out for being a maverick cop who does things his own way. He doesn't get called out for the fact that he behaves this way because of this narcissistic belief that he always has to be right. You know what Even I'm saying? Like, well, no, and, and you can see that. I mean, if you have to prove it, you see that right away in the first episode where he's having the fight with his boss and saying, well, I, you know, you knew that he what didn't do it. You know, there was no proof. Yeah. You know, you just, you just railroaded him into jail. And I, Basically, I had nothing to do with it, even though I got the false confession out of it. Yep. Now, Dave, no, let's not take any responsibility for it. And it never, and that's the thing that it never criticized him for. <laughs> his complete no. unwillingness to take responsibility for anything ever. Yeah. I mean, well, look what no, happened yeah. with Jonathan, right? Yep. Yeah. Look what happened with Jonathan. He could have gotten Jonathan, right? Help. He could have put in, John, yeah. in, in jail. He could have gotten him help. And he didn't. And then no. when he doesn't do it and Jonathan kills another suspect, he's just like, well, not my responsibility. No, heaven forbid. Like, <laughs> Mark's out there doing the hard stuff, make, uh, confessing to their culpability, right? And Dave is just, you know, completely closed-mouthed about all this stuff. Oh, yeah, no. Not my fault. Nope, not or on him. Can't be true. And if it is, it's not my fault. Yeah. So I guess our take is he's an unbelievably infuriating character and the whole show is built around him. And, and thank God so, it didn't go long. Longer. Oh God. So we didn't have to watch any more of it, but it left him open to go and become uh, Tony Hill, a much yeah. better character who's infuriating in a much more interesting way. Yes. And who you can actually feel for. And yeah. if you, and then you can go read the books. And yeah, well, I mean, he is. He fundamentally is a much more relatable character. Yeah. 
He just is. You understand where he's coming from and he's wrestling with this stuff in a relatable way. And, and he takes responsibility for the things he does when he screws up and that alone, you know, (laughs) like a willingness to admit when you've made a mistake, that alone uh, gets you a lot in my book. Oh, yes. And I can, you know, I can compare this because I've been, I watch uh, Chelsea Detective. Right. As well, right? You know, it's it's in its second season, so it comes on once a week right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you've got a guy who was dyslexic before they did anything about dyslexia, but his father seemed to have realized it, that there was something seriously wrong and that he couldn't read. He saw everything in pictures. Okay. And so his father took the time to read everything to him that he needed to study. That's and nice. he needed for for work and whether it was math, whether it was English, and he gradually learned how, right, to yeah. to kind of read, but he still sees things in pictures. He right. still you know, so that you have this kind of a flaw with Choni. Choni does not know how to read people. Yeah. You know, that's his flaw. It's whether it is, if you read the books, you can just see it is a dire form of child abuse. Yeah. That he survived um, by being sort of just wrapped up in books and not interacting with people. Um, His whole, his mother. And so he has devoted his entire life to figuring out people, to overcoming. yeah, Yeah. To overcoming this flaw in himself like yes, it was the product of his abuse yeah it, and he understands it's a flaw and i tell you when he finds out some of the things that he finds out about how it was even worse than he thought it was oh no <laughs> oh yeah well you know he has um when he finds out uh his father i must have t- did i talk about this about a little his, yeah his father and his his mother tried well thought she had killed his father Turns out um, she hadn't. Right. Um, oh, well, no, I don't. She meant to kill him. She didn't end up killing him. And he disappeared from their lives. Gotcha. When she was she was pregnant at the time. Gotcha. He didn't know and accidentally found out that she had actually been pregnant oh. and that he had a son. But he <laughs> never contacted his son. Right. You just, he knew who he was and he then followed his exploits <laughs> and yeah. left him everything in his will. <laughs> but he never reached out. But he never reached out and he left him a tape. It, it, it's a very interesting part of the story. No, in this case, his, his mother and his grandparents were, uh, you don't want to know. No, no. no. Well, when I book. read the book, I'll read the book. Yes. And you can were so monstrously abusive. And again, this is why, you know, Tony, he knows where monsters come from. He yes. knows he has this in him and he has devoted his entire life to, you know, trying to see how he can help. Yes. He's help a himself help everybody else. Well, I mean, you can say that there's a degree to which if he figures out how to help other people, he'll be able to fix himself. And I'm sure that that yes. is a big part of Tony. But we see him just as a therapist who wants to fix people, and it's very sweet. It really, yes. really is. Whereas Dave Cregan just wants to wallow in his misery. Because yeah, that's I am kind of his whole thing, isn't it? 
Yes, it, I am sure that yes, the bullet gave him PTSD. Oh yeah, and the bullet may have done some brain damage. Absolutely. That is possible because we don't really know. See, there's the thing: if we knew what he was like before the bullet, yeah. If his wife had just one time said, "You changed so drastically," yeah. I didn't know who you were anymore. Then. But that's that not the character that then we would have it would have been an interesting and it would have been tragic. And there would have yes. like there would have been an extra hook for the character who would have found it interesting. But the problem is, dude was already in special branch. He was already murdering people for the government. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he yeah. was a good guy beforehand. No, but we did but we we have By the way, no that's why I'm so interested in the Dave Cregan that's gonna be Jeffrey Donovan. Because there are no government murderers. In the United States government. I mean, not, I mean, there is no government organization that has the reputation of your special branch people do in England, in America. Like, yes, does the FBI murder a lot of innocent people? 100%. Did they murder Fred Hampton? Of course they did. Did they kill Martin Luther King Jr.? Oh, absolutely they killed Martin Luther King Jr., right? Okay, so, but the average, you, when you hear about an average FBI agent, your first thought isn't, oh, yeah, didn't they kill Martin Luther King Jr.? But when you hear about a special branch person, your first thought is, oh, right, the guys who, you know, blow up civilians to frame the uh, uh, and frame the IRA to justify worse policies in Northern Ireland and to make sure conservative politicians get elected. Like, that's the first thing you think. And you, all you have to do is look at as they say, smiley circus. Yes, smiley's people. Yes. yes. And all five, of the stuff MI about the circus. MI5 and MI6. Like, come on. Uh, but uh, the TV show spooks. <laughs> yeah. You, if you Or MI5, you as it was know. called for, in North America. Right? Yeah. That it's like very clear about these are not good guys. You know? And that and was we, the... Yeah. yeah. Go on. No, no. What I was just going to say is there exists no like comparable idea of policing in America, right? No single organization where when you hear about it, you're like, oh, these are bad guys. I guess the closest we have is ICE. Like no one has heard anything yes. good about ICE ever. Like no, there, there are no stories about ICE doing anything good in the entire history of that organization. It should be disbanded immediately, right? Uh, just abolish ICE. Phenomenon. Yeah, right. Uh, but that is a recent phenomenon. Like, if you hear about someone being an ICE agent, you'll be like, oh, okay, so this is a bad guy. But that didn't exist in, up until very recently. Now, here's the thing. The Brits have been doing this forever. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Go back to Queen Elizabeth. Go back to Henry VIII. Oh, absolutely. This isn't new stuff. You're, at, you're, you're completely no. right. You know, like, this isn't... I mean, they have honed this this part of this kind of a structure so that even when the monarchy becomes sort of um, a front. Yeah. Just a front for capital. British, right? Yeah. Um, they still the have that, like, what, what changed have. when the monarch wasn't in charge anymore? What part of repression and control and stratified class system actually changed when they got Nothing. rid of the monarch? 
Nothing I saw. Well, the, the monarch, yes, the monarch just, I mean, Elizabeth uh, just became this, this figurehead that rallied the people, but everything was run by the government. Yep. You know, originally Elizabeth was still running things, but that oh, yeah. slowly broke down. I mean, oh, they yeah. had to give up a lot of power after Cromwell. Yep. Well, and, I mean, um, once you found out that, you know, if you keep doing this, a guy might just come along and murder the king. You're going to have to start being very more careful with how you use that power. Yeah. Uh, and, um, Oh, Cromwell. What the anyway, hell would have happened if you had figured out how to have a successor? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's the, always the problem, right? Yeah, It's always the problem is like Definitely when you have was- a, when you have a, a strong man is, well, you you as the strong man don't want to gen, don't want to raise up another strong man because you never want to give up any of your power. Because if you weren't obsessed with having power, you wouldn't become a strong man in the first place. <laughs> and so you end up with this situation where you know you don't want to have a successor. So what happens when you go away? And the answer is you don't really care about that. You don't really care what's going to happen when you go away. When after you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's like there, I mean, there ha- there is a narcissism at the core of all of these strong men. I think it's fair to say that. Oh, and yeah. so these guys fundamentally don't care what happens after they die because, you know, they're not going to be there to enjoy it or have to fight against it. So what does it matter to them? Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but it's all in service of like creating this brutal society, which is something that he actually did. Like Cromwell was just as brutal. Well, not just as brutal as the royalty had been, but he was extremely brutal. Like this brutality. Well, particularly what yeah. he, well, yeah, but that was still what he did in Ireland was yeah. so despicable. Un, un, unconscionably. Unconscionably so. Yeah, it um, really is. It, it is. I mean, there's history. All you can do when you look back at history is go, oh, my God, it could be worse, even though it's really, 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 really bad now. It's unbelievably bad, but it can always get worse. It could always get worse. We've seen it. <laughs> if you look We've seen history. it before throughout worse. history. That's true. Yes. But yeah. Like Cromwell is a fascinating figure, but it's like it's not like there's any part of. Oh. Although, God, I mean, we're not going to talk about this now, but, like, the the fact that, like, British fascists are now, you know, saying, you know, England did nothing wrong in the potato famine, you know, <laughs> that they're like, what? Of course we were allowed to export all of the food that caused these people to starve. Those people had to pay their rent, and if they didn't pay their rent in food, you know... Uh, they were, we were just throwing them out. It was the free market making the potato famine happen. Not us. You know? I, um. Yep. I, yes. I, you know, this is, this takes us down a political road. Which we're not going to do right now. But we're just saying there is a historical precedent for this kind of brutalism and cruelty throughout English law enforcement that I'm not saying American cops are great. Of course, American cops aren't great. But there is an idea about America, of what American cops are, right? And a hagiography of the idea of being a policeman in America, right? That just isn't there in England. 
you know, that just this assumption of cops as moral and important and valuable and blah, 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 right? And deferring to cops. The British don't have that. The British don't have this obsessive kneeling and bootlicking for cops that Americans have. And that's why I'm so interested to see because what Dave Cregan is in the American version. Because yeah. this Dave Cregan was a bad guy from a bad organization, right? And so you understand why he's such a terrible person. And what I want to know is, what is the American guy going to be? And how is like, how are they going to separate this special branch of the FBI hunting serial killers or whatever it winds up being? from the one or is it just going to be the exact same thing and they're not going to change the scripts at all and they're not going to well, think about Well no that at because all. there are new scripts. I did look at some of the okay, things. Okay, so they're not all remakes. No. No, no. The first the the pilot is still the pilot. Yeah. But what they're going to do with it I don't know. So I'm looking actually I'm looking forward to again seeing what they did with it. Yeah. I mean again But if it stays as bleak you can understand. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is it uh you know, is it going to be a situation where we have the opposite experience of American Cracker and wind up liking American Touching Evil? I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing that's going to happen. I'm saying, wouldn't it be interesting if it did? Well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah. All right. So uh, that's going to be that. We're uh, This is the day we say goodbye to uh, Touching, Touching Evil, Evil up until next week. Uh, where we're right back in Touching Evil, but, you know, American Touching Evil, which hopefully is meaningfully different in some way. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We will. Um, yeah. You know, so, it's, uh, yeah. Join us back I, here for that. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out after Touching Evil is finally done. Drop us a line at ProfilingCriminalMinds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Any, uh, If you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next time for Touching Evil see episode uh, 1 and 2. Touching Evil US episode 1 and 2. You might be asking, can we watch that along with you? And I'm like, I don't know. Check YouTube, maybe. It's hard to find is the point. Like, no streaming service has it. We already talked about the frustrations of trying to watch old television. No streaming service has it. You can't, like, just go to YouTube and buy it like we did with Cracker. You know, like, it's 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 nowhere. So search YouTube. Maybe you'll find it. Uh, you know, we, we do have copies that I saved back in the day when it was originally on. But, uh... I wish you luck. So we'll see you back here for that. Uh, but until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.